Hey guys, welcome back to Screenworthy, brought to you by The Mind Refinery. I'm your host, Kyle Bodanis. This week, we continue our look into the works of Denny Villeneuve as part of our very slow lead-up to Dune. This episode will deep dive into his sci-fi debut, Arrival. If you like what you hear, rate and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and if you have time, follow The Mind Refinery on social media. Here's the show. All right, guys, we're continuing our ever-expanding lead-up to Dune by looking at the films of director Denis Villeneuve, one of the best directors working today, and our Canadian compatriot and director of Dune. So uh, joining me today to talk about Arrival are Mind Refinery Creatives' John Neal. What up? And uh, one of the hosts of Buffs and Nerfs, Sam Hall. Oh wait, do we have? Is it Sam Hall or Lance that we have today? No, it's the worst one. It's it's the less it's the less engaging one. I was specifically told that we would be getting Sam Hall today. I'm like I'm fucking like great value Sam Hall if anything. <laughs> Sam Hall White. It's like Fisher Price. It's, sorry, it's like President's Choice Memories of Sam Hall. Baby, baby's first Sam Hall. <laughs> Um, so, Arrival was adapted from Ted Chiang's... Wait, hold, so- hold on. Do you actually want to uh, introduce me at all? Oh, my God. <laughs> or just oh, leave my it, God. Or just I leave, didn't, it, I as, didn't actually, or fuck, just I leave just, it as budget Sam Hall. No, I just <laughs> fucked up the joke. Okay, no, now I have to go with Sans joke. Okay, guys, and also joining, actually joining us is uh, co-host of Buffs and Nerfs, the bad one, uh, Andrew Lanza. Hey, thanks for having me. <laughs> so... Uh, <laughs> So, Arrival was adapted from Ted Chiang's short story, The Story of Your Life, which I believe won a Nebula Prize for, which is a uh, literary prize for uh, science fiction writing. Um, it was adapted by Eric Hesserer, who almost gave up on trying to adapt the project because no one was willing to, you know, do it. No one was biting. Uh, so, eventually gets picked up. Enter Denny Villeneuve, who is looking to do his first science fiction film. He's itching for it. And uh, he's, appro- he's approached about Arrival. He agrees, and we're off to the races. So, first, what I want to do is I want to talk about where is Villeneuve in his career going into this flick? You know, how is he viewed by Hollywood? Why don't you start us off, uh, John Neal? Well, where is he at? He's a big up-and-comer. A visionary director up and comer the film he did prior to this is sicario which other than arrival is probably my favorite film that he's ever done and i think it was we talked about this on the sicario podcast i believe where it was kind of his jumping off point as far as his scaling up of things and his ability to deal with sort of lower budgets and doing more with less and yeah he he's basically on the cusp pretty much right before arrival i would say yeah he's definitely on the map at this point you know what i mean you can definitely see it in the movie though like the budget that he was working with with arrival um i would have loved to have seen a little bit more money for this project uh in the end but yeah i mean he's he's you know he's already made a name for himself in in canada um he's coming off the back as uh of uh the release as john said of sicario you had you know enemy and prisoners before that and yeah he was just kind of churning out these like hits these kind of like maybe like slightly under the radar hits like maybe not huge mainstream movies um like you know not not these huge blockbusters or anything like that so it's nice to see him kind of uh go this route where he's going for like more of a you know bigger uh sci-fi flick which you know ended up in the end to be kind of a smaller picture but you know at least from the initial teasers and stuff you definitely kind of got more of a, a grandiose scale kind of more almost like like an independent state closer closer thing while it definitely kind of turned out you know obviously to be more of like a movie about you know the themes of you know loss and memory and uh, time and all these other things um yeah so it was just super nice to see that i mean as you guys said he's the upstart he passes the first hollywood litmus test which is um not taking a bunch of cash and setting it on fire on his previous films uh he does really well with sicario again i think he was working uh in the 30s or 40s on that millions on that budget Mm -hmm. um Please uh, reference the previous uh, podcast for uh, that particular number, um, and uh, he he turns it into you know like two hundred million uh, domestic, and that's that's the name of the game is taking money and making it, and if you do that, um, you're gonna keep working, and you know they were likely impressed by the money he, he was able to turn, um, you know his his creative his set management, 
And they said, hey, you know, we'll uh, we'll see if we can do it. Also, I feel like uh, one of your standard science fiction directors working in the game today would probably be a little heavy-handed on this one as well because, I mean, this isn't... Like, this is a science fiction film, but, like, the th thematic elements on it and, like, the focus on it isn't science fiction. So, like, it's it, it's the more in the personal story of Amy Adams' character and just, like, ideas, you know, that we're going to get into. Um, obviously, this opened up a massive door for him. So mm -hmm. what were our initial thoughts on this movie? Go ahead, Andrew. Fire away. Honestly, I remember really wanting to see it, and I, I remember missing this one at theaters, actually. And I uh, watched it after the fact, after it came out, um, you know, for home. Uh, and I watched it and I was just absolutely blown away. I thought it was just a beautiful, beautiful film. I thought, I thought it was, you know, excellently executed. Uh, as I said there earlier, um, you know, I wish I had a bit more of a budget. There were some, uh, I feel like, uh, like the, the, the CG a lot of times, especially, for instance, like like when they're going up, uh, into like the what do you call it, like the the ship, for the first time, and like the faces are like plastered on the suits. It's just oh my god, it took me out of it so badly. But anyway, um, overall, I just yeah, I just like high level thoughts, like top level. I just really enjoyed it. It's just a really watchable flick. It's really tight too. Like it really it runs really fast. Even though it is like a two hour movie, it feels a lot shorter than that. I don't know. At least I felt that way. I was always kind of like looking forward to that next time that they're going to interact with the aliens they kind of have that that time frame to it where every what is it, every 12 hours they is it 12 hours yeah anyway yeah 12 every 12 hours they go up um so it kind of had that like time frame that good pacing to it where you know there's that set pacing so yeah I'll, overall i like to how about, how about you guys it's the kind of movie that makes you think about it days after you see it and i think that's probably a mark a good standard to hit for a great science fiction film because you know sci good sci-fi is always rooted in sort of present day themes and i think just the fact that he was that villeneuve was able to sort of take a really creative stance on this idea of being able to see the future and then deciding whether or not to change things you know, he made it accessible through, you know, a very sort of hard to do science fiction story about, you know, aliens visiting Earth. It's just an angle on it that has never really been explored before and certainly not this way. So, I mean, I was floored by it. Just the ideas presented and just thinking about, you know, sort of the ramifications and what it means. That was amazing for me at least i mean i kind of low-key feel it's one of the better science fiction films ever made um it's really fucking good uh it was interesting the performances were great i loved how the crux of the film was firmly focused on louise's narrative centered around the story of her you know unborn her daughter and you know this idea of time yeah and spoilers. Being circular uh i mean honestly uh, if you haven't seen it right now like we'll do i know little, like but let's go see it don't yeah don't sake. don't listen to a podcast on a movie you haven't seen yeah, yeah if you exactly so it's kind of like, it's kind of like andrew lance of fucking I, wanting Voldemort? to talk about uh rise yeah, of skywalker sure. rumors and stuff you know remember that what? yeah okay yeah that's fine you know the, be the better comparison would be the voldemort thing where he's like what <laughs> Voldemort, when i told him Voldemort yeah. dies he's like i haven't seen it yeah it was yeah. like nine years later it was so bad <laughs> um, i mean i loved how you know the story you know this whole story was fused with you know, this ideas of language shaping your reality you know communication for survivor uh, survival all the simple ideas executing this were like kind of blown up in a super complex situation which is always good you know again as i said i believe it's one of the best sci-fi movies ever made uh i was really surprised going into it because like i had received no hype um i didn't see it in the movie theater i saw it when it first came out uh yeah how just... did we how did we miss this at theaters that's that's I what i want to well I okay that's crazy uh, kyle what, what what's our excuse what how do how do we fuck up that bad i wasn't like heavy like after i was um, like after sicario I knew who the fuck Denny Villeneuve was. I watched Sicario the at theaters, hundred percent. I remember. I that. didn't see uh, this. Was uh, honestly Blade Runner uh, twenty forty nine was the first Denny Villeneuve movie I saw. Oh the movie really? Oh yeah, okay, yeah. okay. Uh, oh, but I, I, yeah, well, it's, I, it's a good one. 
It's a yeah. fucking good one to see. Well, I mean, you can't be watching that one at home. I mean, like, realistically, I could say the same for all of these. But, yeah, no, I just, for some reason, I, like, he was good, but it wasn't, like, didn't come into my mind as, like, event viewing yet. But now, when he puts anything else out, I'm fucking, like, we gotta go do it, you know? Yeah. So, let's talk about favorite scenes here. I think there's a lot to choose from. It was so expertly crafted. Uh, John, why don't you start us off? Obviously, the... um the time tripping scene when she's talking to general chang is probably one of my favorite scenes in the movie damn it that was gonna be my favorite scene. well see there you go and that's why it's the best scene in the movie andrew it just i don't know it just hits you so hard when you see it and you're just kind of like oh my god i mean my jaw was kind of probably open the whole way through that just because he builds the movie so well up until that point where when you finally get there, you know, you're just floored by it. And it's not even like you're surprised to be floored by it. You just are just because it's told so fucking well. Yeah. And and that um, that sorry, just to jump off of what, what you were saying, that moment between her and General Chang. Um, sorry, that was his name, right? General Chang. Yes, I believe yeah. so. Um at like that ball and then he like the his performance is incredible general shang general shang shang sorry yeah um his performance was incredible like his like reverence in his eyes as he's talking to her and it's like he he even says like he doesn't fully understand but he's like here here's my phone number and like shows it to her he's like i know that you needed to have seen it here these are my my, like this is what you said to me like his performance in that moment was incredible it was all in the eyes in that moment and like oh like i couldn't agree more with you john like that that scene when it was just all coming together it was just like you kind of got like little teases of it throughout and then like as that scene is like hitting you you're just like wow yeah it's a goosebumps uh inducing Mm -hmm. scene like your hair raises on your arm kind of scene um just because of how amazing it is but yeah like i i agree man it's just uh when it all kind of makes sense is in that scene when you see the possibilities of this revelation in that scene that's when it's the movie takes a whole different uh takes a whole different course in your mind after that i'm a sucker for scenes where like smart people are explaining stuff uh and you okay so in the film like this so like any of the times where like amy adams jeremy renner were like interacting with the aliens and like trying to figure it out and like going through that linguistics part like i was like so kind of really interested in it and mm-hmm, for a sci-fi mm-hmm. movie the big explainy scenes are always the ones that get me which is kind of why during um tenet when they're like and then the bullet comes backwards i'm like fuck you that is <laughs> shit i'm like i got no time for this shit fuck this the, the best explainy scene though is in looper when you when they're like trying to explain it and he's like wait how how is that even possible and he's like hey you know what He's like puts an end to it right there. He's like, we're we're gonna be here drawing diagrams on napkins all day. Like, let's just move on. Yeah. <laughs> it's good. Instead of being like fucking getting like Fleur Delacour to like explain <laughs> to just be like, yes, and then the bullets come back. And right, they go easy on you. the Harry Potter spoilers, man. <laughs> Fleur Fuck. Delacour. Yeah. Uh... I it's too bad you didn't figure out she was in the book after the fucking seventh book. <laughs> <laughs> She's in it in the fourth book. Um like fucking so like like those explainy things I'm like I love those things so like they break it down you you know it's interesting to kind of set the the framework for kind of the ideas you're gonna go through throughout the whole thing, and I just really liked it. I thought Amy Adams and we're gonna talk about Amy Adams' performance, which was fantastic, uh, moving forward. But I thought like she was really good at kind of explaining that, and I thought that as she explained like those i like the heady ideas that were going into it it really like and just how they dovetail into the thematic elements of the film was really really good so it kind of like explains it so because i mean like i'm gonna ask you this question Uh, in terms of thematic elements and what happens at the end of this movie and all this kind of stuff like how like how much head scratching were you done at the end or did you like completely get it it was a little bit of a he- like a little bit of head scratching but i got the i got what the film was about i got what it was saying and what it was trying to do but there were still some things i was confused about just for like the meaning of them and sort of it was more about the smaller moments 
and kind of what was happening but second viewing you get the whole thing and i think this is actually a film that requires more than one watch to be honest with you because there's so many subtle details in it that you can pick up after the first watch that just enhance the movie even more yeah i i, I definitely you know understood. there was a lot to take in like it was a lot to take in as well sorry yeah i mean like it was it's pretty well kind of laid out in the end what's going on like it's not like a tenet where you're just kind of sitting there like you know like i think i got what happened like but you you, you understand in a way you didn't <laughs> yeah. in, in a way in a way <laughs> i i you know there's definitely the 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 vanique moments where you're just staring at the screen where you're like what the fuck no okay there, there, there is none of that there is none of that in arrival there was no wondrous shockingly annoyance in for for arrival but um yeah, I mean, obviously it takes a while to unpack. Like, definitely after the movie, you can't just be like, yep, I saw that, cool, like, put it on the shelf and, like, never think about it again. You kind of have to uh, unpack it and you kind of have to, uh, you know, revisit in your mind, just kind of, like, th you know, think of some of the themes that it was, uh, that, it was that, that it was portraying in the film and, you know, just unpack some of the, you know, just the, the, the more high-level ideas. It's But it's, I don't know, I, 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 yeah, I guess overall I got it. <laughs> I also guess like with any big idea like this, there's also kind of for me a little bit of self doubt. Like, did I get everything? Is 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 there more that I missed? You know, well, I feel like there's always gonna be more. There's always gonna yeah. be something that you miss, some sort of symbolism or some sort of like visual or audio cue or like yeah. you know, the way like the cephalopods like said something, like it's mm -hmm. actually like if you go into like the audio and you know what I mean? Hept heptopods? Heptopods. What did I say? Cephalopods? Hepto yeah, seven. Seven. It's just an yeah. octopus is walking. Hepto seven. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. My bad, my bad, my bad. Um um, just earlier when you were talking about uh, Kyle about uh, Amy Adams and the explaining scenes I thought one of the best scenes was when she um, grabs the whiteboard and then first of all when she grabs the whiteboard and she starts erasing stuff I'm always first thing I always thought is every time people are erasing stuff in a movie it's like wasn't that important and then he's and then instantly how Jerry Renner like no no not the thing at the top yeah. but anyway her <laughs> that scene where she's like you know breaks down the sentence and like this like the whole sentence structure and like explaining like the concept and like the preposition and like the question blah, blah blah that scene i thought was um as far as like the explaining scenes i thought that was like the best explaining scene i i, I love i love the uh it's almost like kind of like a sorkin where it's like i don't know just like the kind of fucking visual representation like i could just i can see her doing that on the on a window at harvard or something <laughs> yeah just, just yeah. fucking drawing it on a window at harvard of course i uh got this right away and kind of judged anybody who didn't uh right. no i'm kidding <laughs> i watched it a couple times i was more like why are the aliens here to help and they're three thousand like because we helped three thousand years but then what are they helping with now but then it's like to bring humanity together so they don't destroy themselves so that they help three thousand years of the future what, what like, do you okay. think the what do you think the future help is Ooh, that's the that's the MacGuffin of the movie, though, right? You're not really supposed to. Well, that's what I'm asking that. you. Like, what? What? Like, I have uh, no idea, no clue. What the no fuck idea. could we help? With? They need our yeah, biofuel. No they like they're that's gonna fire us in as the batteries. We're not it's actually to know. a prequel to the Matrix. They yeah. actually have one source of fuel that's more destructive than fucking biofuel than fucking uh, carbon fuel. They're like we're literally <laughs> just destroying our planet, and we only have yeah. four cars. Uh, <laughs> I, Kyle, just before we move on, though, I wanted to touch on uh, also touch on that um, explainy thing. One of the things I actually really liked about the movie is how all of those scenes and sort of the people associated with them were all very reasonable people. Like even um, Michael uh, Stuhlbarg's character, who plays the CIA agent, who's kind of supposed to be filling the shoes of the negative Nelly type character, who's always kind of thinking you know, for the worst case scenario, seems perfectly reasonable to think those things. Like, you're not like, oh, yeah, this guy is an asshole or he's crazy. It's like, no, all these things are perfectly reasonable precautions that they're talking about. Exactly. But, ev exactly. but everyone's he's like kind looking of... out for like national safety. Yeah. Exactly. And it, it, it all makes perfect sense as well. And those are all perfectly relevant points that he's making, even though you still, you know, want um everything that louise banks is doing to be at the forefront but there's still that everyone's working together in the movie and there isn't sort of a like a super bad guy who's trying to sabotage anything which of course is something that those soldiers end up doing later in the in the film but 
Um, none of the main characters are sort of, they feel kind of washy or their characters are sort of over the top out of place for their roles. Everyone's kind of got a very refined I don't know, part. I kind of thought, I, I'm going to disagree with you there. I thought Jeremy Renner was super hammy. And first of all, have I don't you know, met maybe... any theoretical physicists, by the way? Um, several, <laughs> several. I go to uh, theoretical <laughs> physicist parties, theoretically, theoretically. Yeah, that's how fucking COVID gets spread, son. <laughs> it's a, it was a theoretical super spreader event. Oh, <laughs> um, Ted Cruz was there. It was, it was yeah. great. It was, in, it was in fucking Cancun. We just went mm-hmm. there for the night. That's it. That's it. Because the kids asked. It's just, and, and <laughs> you would do it too. You would do it too. I would. But having said that, I don't know. Jeremy Renner. First of all, I think I'm biased. Uh, maybe I just don't like Jeremy Renner, but I just thought he was super hammy. Like, I don't know. I feel like his character, I would have seen his character in like Independence Day or something. Like he seemed like too cartoony in his like delivery of lines. I don't know. I just, he took me out completely. I thought everybody else was great. Forrest Whitaker, like even, um, what, what was the dude you said, John, the, the guy from like a single man and um, stuff? Michael Stuhlbarg, who yeah. plays uh, Agent Halpern. He was great, like the scene where he's like, whose phone is that? They're like, it's your phone. It is just like his reaction to it. Yeah. Like everybody was great in that movie, except I, I just, <sighs> Okay, hold off on the character stuff because we're like, I'm going to get into that. <laughs> we're going to like literally go into fair, it. And I, fair. I have a number of one-liners to throw into it. Um, so like, I will say this is that there's, okay, they do the tropes of first contact um in movies but they do them in a completely different way and ride them out Mm -hmm. like they always have the guy who's like we gotta kill the aliens they're we're fucked and then it's always like the balance between like are we going to take like a more martial stance towards them or are we going to try to like make peace and stuff like that and i i think though that movie this movie starts with those because it's inevitable questions but then really goes in a completely different direction with it that's why i i mean i like it because it subverts tropes without like being Mm -hmm. ridiculous without making like you know the last jedi um so i like (laughs) we'll move on to performances here because uh lance opened the fucking the the genie is out of the bottle Mm -hmm. i want to start my b my b no no it's i pre-segue i pre-segue when you when you uh when you bring andrew lance onto a project you have to just understand that anything can happen Let's start with Amy Adams. How do we, first of all, how do we feel about Amy Adams in general? Lovely. Thumbs up. Yeah. Big thumbs Lovely. up for Amy Adams. I thought she's, she was great in this movie. She's really I, good. I don't think I've seen her in anything where I, I really didn't like her, to be honest. You, you Batman versus Superman is her best role, though. Mm, I, you know what? I like, I, I like, um, what's it called? Uh, what, what was the other one before? Uh, Man of Steel? Was it yeah. John? Yeah, yeah she, was, she was. She was pretty good in Man of Steel. She, she was good. Yeah, yeah. If they actually let her play that. Lois Lane properly, she's a great Lois Lane. But yeah, yeah, and she's one of the only things that's redeemable in Batman vs Superman mm-hmm. because that movie sucks. Does she have a better role than this one? I don't think so. Uh, off the top of my head, I'm. I had. I haven't done like a deep dive on her catalog but i'm gonna say this is probably her best role for me it's this and the fighter um mm-hmm. she's really oh, right, good in that right the fighter's good yeah, but this is good. like big short, the, big short. no sorry big... not big short wait no um wait was she in the big short or no the other one no she was in american hustle she wasn't yeah in she was in american hustle yes thank you american hustle that's yeah. i just couldn't i couldn't uh, she also played game. lynn cheney in vice with mm. christian bale which right, i mean right yeah. she was really good. in my opinion wow. it's not as good as this but that was a great part for her she, in that, as well. that movie was kind of meh like the, the performances, performances were, were great yeah performances vice, were really good the movie as a whole was kind of meh like i wouldn't i didn't mind it mm-hmm yeah, so I think this is probably one of her, her one of her two best roles. You know, it's subdued and completely on point. You know, in the moments where she's doing that Hindi, that sorry, that heady linguistic stuff, she's really good. She's totally believable. Uh, it's very natural, you know, and just like her, ex- just her facial expressions and her nonverbal communication, just you know, dealing with the premonition sequences and the dream sequences as if. You know, because she's kind of lucid during them where they're happening and she realizes that she hasn't seen it before, uh, you know. And then that's all on top of, like, the physical rigors of what's happening and, like, the stress of, you know, the, her character's going through so much shit and she's able to, like, kind of really control it, not make it too much, not make it over the top, make it 
for like really subdued and i was just real i thought she was perfect casting for this i don't think i couldn't see anybody else in this role to be i honest. think a, well and i think a movie like this also like this film specifically requires her performance to really carry the themes and the film and it's so difficult i i imagine it's so difficult for for an actor to you know project things that no one has any experiences with like ever and it's just interesting to see how you can encompass that and you know that's partially her brilliant performance and the direction of the film and the way it's put together but it's just an amazing sort of lead performance and it completely carries the themes of the film so well and and that's why i think this might be her best film another film she was in actually that i totally forgot about that i think might be maybe her second or third behind this is the master yeah that i totally oh, forgot right. about yeah. she plays she was, uh, every Philip i mean Seymour that, that's like wife. a tour de force by everybody it's every movie. yeah like but that's the thing though she's just she's such a good actress in and she picks her parts i think super well uh, that completely complement sort of what she's able to do did it yeah I, sorry uh, continue that's no i i was just gonna go off of the back of what what john said is that like her character is just so central to the movie so whoever they were going to cast in that role obviously is going to carry like the brunt of the movie and like a lot of the movie is the character in front of like a screen so like amy adams is in front of probably just like some sort of like lighting grid and like they're like she's just in she's just acting with that so to to convey that emotion when you're doing that and like you know i just thought was it was just such an amazing performance and it was so like nuanced and tight um and it was just such a you know personal story that i i don't know i just thought like like it would have been hard for anybody else to fill that role i really can't th- I, I can't think of anybody else who who do you think who do you think could maybe have <sighs> been recast i don't know she she, she was uh villeneuve's first choice by the way for the part um and i don't i don't really know who else maybe, maybe a jessica chastain oh, type yeah. could have done it um that's like i the i'm i feel like that's the only like i can't think of anybody else other than jessica chastain because she kind of she i don't think she's as good as uh amy adams but she can do that kind of stuff you know what i mean yeah okay so what about like a susan sarandon (laughs) like 20 years ago (laughs) okay fine (laughs) (laughs) i feel like i feel like susan sarandon would have knocked this out in the 90s I feel like with Susan Sarandon, though, Susan Sarandon is like, she's more of that, uh, she's more, <laughs> it's like, I'm trying to explain, not in a, it's, I don't think she's good for, you know, science fiction. I think she's uh, good. Oh, this guy hates Susan Sarandon. No, I fucking, I'm about <laughs> to say, I fucking love Susan Sarandon. Because uh, I fucking, like, for example, Dead Man Walking, she's incredible. Um, fucking uh, Bull, Bull Durham, he's, she's Step-mom? fucking awesome. Stepmom? Yeah. stepmom she's incredible <laughs> um but like she's she, like her stuff is more like rooted in like not wholesome bad. she's like wholesome she's more wholesome i mean not that amy adams isn't wholesome but yeah, no I, amy adams is pretty fucking wholesome yeah i think yeah, the big yeah. thing with susan sarandon is her performances there's like a seductive charm to her especially like back in the day um you know when she was in more movies and i think that she's I don't think she's would be better at playing these cold, these colder kind of roles. Is I guess what I'm saying because I mean, I, I this is where I think Amy Adams is just a little like far more, just more diverse. And I think that's the big thing with someone like Amy Adams is that there's not a lot of actors out there who have like her range. To be honest with you, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, did yeah. anybody see Hillbilly Elegy? No, no. Okay, so she's in that. And she plays like a complete mess, just a, a a woman who's addicted to drugs, um, is a drunk, and like she's doing a whole other thing. I don't. It's a it's Ron Howard's newer movie. Glenn Close is in that, right? Uh, Glenn Close is in that. She, Glenn Close is really good in it. I didn't really like that movie. Movie overall, there were elements and ideas in it that I liked. Uh, I thought Glenn Close was probably the best situation in it, but uh, again, it just kind of shows her range. Um, I want to move on to Jeremy Renner because you brought it up, Lanza. First off, uh, I can appreciate Jeremy Renner a lot more when his superpower isn't fucking archery. 
Mm-hmm. Um, because I would argue that his there's character, the one liner you were talking about. His character, no, I got buddy, I got Jeremy Renner one liners all day. <laughs> I just I got a quiver of them. No pun intended. Uh, <laughs> I would argue uh, that his character in Arrival is three hundred percent more effective than the one in Avengers. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm gonna. So, John, what did you think? Because I know we have to unpack what Lance said earlier as well about not liking Jeremy Renner. I feel like all we do is unpack whatever Lance says. That's uh, our, our company. Ninety percent of our company's <laughs> fucking time. Yeah, that's just we're we're still working through like early uh, two thousand eleven. <laughs> Uh, um honestly i i didn't i didn't mind his performance at all i, I was kind of am, I, am I out to, to lunch it. i i don't know if you're out to lunch i just think you might be thinking about it a little bit too much personally but he that's just okay took me out. He that's just okay took me out. that's what i mean it's like to take you out that seems very like harsh to me at uh, least he just at least so for this comical he seems so cartoonish what is yeah, like what like, specifically right from the beginning, like what right specifically from the beginning, is cartoony right from the beginning scene when he's on the helicopter and he's like just his like mannerisms and he's like like oh like who jeremy Renner? (laughs) that's just very harsh to me i don't know why it just seems very harsh this guy i think i think maybe you got a little bit of a crush on jeremy Renner. hey he's a good looking dude he's a a good looking guy he's a good looking Um, guy I, I think the problem is his character is supposed to exist in contrast to her character so like she is supposed to be more distant analytical um, yeah, yeah right whereas he's supposed to be more like charming saying jokes and like, well, like she... i get that but it's like you can do that but not have it be so hammy i okay, guess okay who I, I who are you casting instead of jeremy renner literally anybody i, don't I knew know, you were it. gonna say that i was gonna say <laughs> louis don't anderson say any... louis <laughs> anderson like i don't give a fuck soon i'll be making fries <laughs> honestly yeah. you know you know who'd have been great you know who'd have been great i'll throw it out there um Chris Fuck Pratt? it, <laughs> well, like Parks and Rec, Chris Pratt, uh, Christian Bale. I feel like would have knocked that out of the park. Christian Bale. Christian no, Bale. he's too. He's too. Like we have to look into the dark recesses of my soul for <laughs> for that for his character. She's doing that. Yeah, like that's what she's all doing. All right, all right. Okay, I need fine. a guy. I need Christian someone who's Bale. not going to start fucking encroaching. Have upon... you seen Ford versus Ferrari? He's he's a no, little he's great. About that. He's, he's, he's great, great in Ford versus Ferrari, but I think even then he was probably like going up to fucking uh, was, was that Ron? Ho- was that Ron Howard? Who was it? Who directed that? James Mangold. James Mangold. Yeah. Okay. Uh, he probably went up to him as like, listen, I need. I know I have these things going on in this, but like didn't my mom do heroin or something and i can inject that into it like can i like yeah. I, I just think he, he just he just he just ran up and started asking people where the trigger was yeah <laughs> I, think, I think you just needed some guy who would just i think you needed someone like jeremy renner to do this i think you can't be getting these big heady it had to be someone who's charming and like is he charming i don't know like i i don't know jeremy renner no Sorry, no. sorry. If Jeremy Renner is listening, he's probably like, "You ain't shit," and you're right, Jeremy Renner. But like, I don't know. I'm just not down with his vibe that he's putting down. I sorry. don't. You know, I don't. I'm going to interject and say I don't believe in uh, even uh, accepting things like that from celebrities. It's like if I want to say Jeremy Renner's dog shit, <laughs> he's like, "Well, what have you done?" I'm like. I've done nothing that makes you less dog shit. How about that? <laughs> okay, I wouldn't say. Okay, that's a, see, that's a bit harsh. I, I call his performance cartoony, and John Neal's like, "That's a bit harsh." And then Kyle calls him dog shit. And John Neal's like, "No, no just Kyle saying, was yes. just saying go, if he I'm wants call, to call him dog shit, he's like if I talk shit about an athlete. Like if I go up to, if I'm like, yo." All the Edmonton Oilers are dog shit. They're gonna be like, "Well, what are you doing, Chunky?" And I'll be like, "Nothing that makes you guys less dog shit." Okay, like, like literally, that's what it is. You are still dog shit. You can be rich and dog shit simultaneously. Yeah, the thing, like, I might be dog shit at hockey, but the thing I get paid for, I'm not dog shit at. Fair enough. Exactly. There you go. Let's talk a little bit about because apparently we're getting no love for Jeremy Renner on this. Uh, let's talk a little what bit. You, about no, that. you got you're getting two thirds love. I, I'm I'm the odd man out here. I'm not even really saying Jenny Renner is good. Like I'm thinking about what I would cast him in. Like first of all, fuck all of his performances in the Avengers. He was in the Born Identity or the mm-hmm. Born, which was the newer one, the Born Ultimatum. I I what, was, what was the one? What was the one with the bombs? Um, oh, Hurt Locker. He Hurt Locker. Hurt Locker. He was not bad in Hurt Locker. I'm not. He wasn't lie. bad in Hurt Locker. So here, let's talk about the supporting cast. 
uh, ghost dog way the samurai himself, Forrest Whitaker. Oh, yeah. Forrest Whitaker kills it, man. In I love Forrest I don't Whitaker. Care. He kind of just plays himself, but I'm okay with it. Yeah. Like he's except got... for um, except for was it Last King of Scotland? I believe he obviously <laughs> he's he did he, he, he yeah. phoned it in on that one. Eh? <laughs> no, no, I was gonna say he didn't play himself on no. that. I'm gonna say aside from that movie, he pretty much just plays himself. Oh yeah. I mean, honestly, fucking Forrest Whitaker, bring him out for anything. Yeah, yeah. If we're playing an old, if you need someone to play an old white woman, bring out fucking Forrest Whitaker. Yo, yeah. Forrest Whitaker, cast him in the lead. Get Jeremy Renner out of here. <laughs> Starring Amy Adams and Forrest Whitaker. Done. <laughs> so I'll sign that. I'll sign that off on the dotted line. No problem. Do you wow. think that they're going to have... Do you think that Forrest Whitaker and her could potentially develop a romantic relationship? <laughs> I mean, I think so. <laughs> well, why not? It's I think Forrest it's inevitable. Whitaker. I yeah. mean, it's in, it's it, time, time is an illusion. It's already predetermined. <laughs> it's fucking... He's, he has animal uh, magnetism. Uh, he's a fantastic actor. I mean, he's one of the greats of his generation. And uh, it, it's from character acting, uh, you know, to a lead, he can do it. Um, let's talk about Michael Stolberg. Um, yeah. This guy fucking works. Uh, he works. TV... He's a fucking Boardwalk Empire. He was just doing uh, Your Honor, which is the uh, that Brian Cranston uh, show that just came out. Is that good? I've heard mixed things about that. Uh, I wasn't too into it, but um, other people I know like it. I mean, this dude was in fucking, um, you know, he was in the Steve Jobs biopic. Uh, which me- movie did you mention earlier? He was in fucking... Um, Serious Man. Don't forget yeah, Serious, Serious Man. Serious Man. He was fucking really good. What do we think of him? Oh, he's great in this. Like I said, I was, I was big upping him earlier when I was saying how reasonable everyone was being, and uh, like you know, I think that's the thing, man. They just they got Forrest Whitaker and um him, and uh, like playing these sort of supporting characters that are supposed to be you know these sort of um you know uh, pessimistic sort of types, and yeah, they they just. Everybody kills it in those parts, in in the supporting parts in the movie. I think him included. Kill Let's it. we t- we talked about Z Ma earlier, who plays uh, the general. Mm. Um, he's great. He's in a lot of stuff too. Low key. Um, he was in somehow Dante's Peak, uh, which I didn't remember him until actually like dove into it. I remember him in Rush Hour and Rush Hour Three. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen the movie Tiger Tail. He was in that. He was quite good in it. I mean, he's a really good actor. Um. I haven't seen him in 24, but judging by his IMDb, he was in the movie. He was in the show 24. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, the, he was great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. As, as I mentioned earlier, earlier, his performance in that scene where everything's coming together and they meet at that gala was like incredible. Like everything was in the eyes. It was it was just chef's kiss. <laughs> Apparently, he was in an episode of the Cosby Show interesting that's that's going back that's going back uh pre-rate bill cosby or probably just no he did that in the 70s so just (laughs) no so i'm gonna ask a quick question did you at any point wish roger deacon shot this it was shot by bradford young was there any points where we're like we need deacon's touch or how did we feel about the way this looked no uh, how it looks is part of its sort of mystique um the way it's shot, the very subtle camera movements, everything's kind of revealed slowly, um, and it's perfectly paced with with the editing style of the film. Um, I actually think it was after the fact, because I just assume it's Villeneuve. He's worked with Deacons uh, twice prior to this film on uh, Prisoners and Sicario, that naturally it would just be him doing it again. I had to look up who the DP was, because I had no idea same, who it same. was. Yeah. Yeah, I thought I thought the lighting was uh, really quite nice, and like the the cinematography was was really beautiful. Like you had this like um, I don't know I kind of felt like it it just like it just kept in the theme of the movie. Like the, you kind of had this like really soft lighting all the way through that kind of just kind of symbolized the um, almost like the void that the that the uh, aliens live in the the cephalopods. Yeah, cephalopods, yeah. yeah. So squid. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, what do they call heptopods? Heptopods. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah so i don't know i just thought i just thought the uh the the lighting and and everything was just was re- was really well done um i i i could you know i could obviously say deacons should shoot everything ever um 
but yeah, no, I I I thought the guy that that shot this what what was his name? Um, Bradford Young. Bradford Young. Yeah, I thought I thought he did a really nice job. I I was taking a look at his IMDb and and he did he did some other nice uh some other he did like Selma and um most that was stuff. a well shot movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he and he did he did a couple other things. Where I was like, oh yeah, this guy shot that. Okay, cool. Um, but yeah, I thought I thought um they that that he did a really good job. And then so. And then he's coming, and then he's worked how many times since with Deacons, uh, Villeneuve? Since this film? Yeah. Once. Blade Runner. Once. That's it. Okay. And, and then he... who shot Who shot Dune? Um, it's the gentleman that is shooting the Batman uh, right now. Uh, um, I okay. forget his name. I'll look him up, though. It's funny because you mentioned the lighting, and like Denny Villeneuve going into this was very much like, we need a, you know, a cinematographer who's good with natural light because that's kind of what he was looking for and you know decided to go with bradford young uh i th- i think it looks great they i also was reading a lot about um just like what they were looking for in this obviously as i just mentioned the um you know the natural lighting but also like they were kind of like fuck skin tones on this mm-hmm. and wanted a more like gray like kind of wash like kind of washed out like look where well not washed out but But like color um, palette yeah yeah the color palette is more is more gray and dreary and not so much and then contrasting you know some of the uh some of the the flashbacks and such and the flash forwards um like in the general scene which i think is like altogether a lot more warm um so like i mean he did a great job he's done some good work i mean I thought this. I mean, I thought this looked really good. I really enjoyed the visual style. I thought it worked well. I thought it took. It worked well for what the VFX mock-up of the aliens were and everything, yeah. because obviously they didn't have a ton of budget to do, you know, massive VFX shit and all this kind of stuff. So they kind of put it all together in a way that worked really well visually. So. I thought they were able to do that really well. And, like, again, this is a $47 million movie. And uh, it sure as hell better than fucking some of the $200, $250, 300000000 million movies that are put together. Greg Frazier is the name of the DP that's doing Dune. Um, so, yeah, he's doing the Batman right now. And he's he did three episodes of The Mandalorian. Um, he's worked oh, cool. on Vice, Rogue One, Star Wars Story, Foxcatcher, um, Zero Dark Thirty. That oh, yes. So he's got, yeah. his, he's got this shit going. Oh, yeah. Uh, so one of the final things I want to look at before we get into, you know, where does this rank in the Denny Villeneuve catalog? Uh, this is Denny Villeneuve's for, first foray into science fiction. But now as we anticipate Dune, he's become the sci-fi hot hand. Mm-hmm. What about this film showed his ability to work in the genre? What stylistically does he do different from other directors? Well, I think I think that um, one of the biggest things... It, like for for science fiction he he made it more about character like we mentioned it multiple times for this but he really anchored the whole plot of this movie on character while you don't see that you know for a lot of science uh, fiction pictures you're gonna see um you know things anchored on explosions and you know big spectacle um events this movie focused on character so i, I think that really shows where his head is at like when it comes to a film it's like characters first like story first not just you know blow shit up yeah i think the big thing about him is at heart he's an art director and like sorry he's 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 an art house filmmaker at heart and yes all of his stories lean heavy on character i think the film that initially brought him to the attention of who's the original writer kyle it's ted chang is that his chang, name yeah um, they showed him a cut of incent of Insandis when they were pitching Denny Villeneuve to him, and I think it was when he saw that he was like, "Yeah, this is the guy to do it." Well, even though the the, the author said that this is like the only time he's ever seen um, an adaptation that's as good as as the original work. Yeah, but like that's the thing, right? As far as him getting ready to do Dune, this is sort of the film that opens the door even more so really than Blade Runner because Blade Runner sort of, yeah, it establishes him being able to work with these huge, um, unbelievable set piece visuals. So that's one part of it, but then it's his ability to get inside the head of the characters and tell a very subtle inward story amidst all of this grand spectacle. And 
that's what Dune needs as far as a storyteller because Dune is there's so much internal character stuff with Dune, so much inner monologue that I feel like he might be the only one living right now able to deal with films on this scale that is able to do it justice just because of the fact that he relies so heavily on his ability to deal with characters their emotions and 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 how that correlates to the story so yeah you know what i think denny villeneuve does differently in a flick like prisoners versus a flick like arrival fucking absolutely nothing he just yeah you know what i mean yeah. he's not bullied by genre mm -hmm. he doesn't have to try to become a different filmmaker uh because he's doing a sci-fi film and there has to be like it doesn't it changes process and characters are still characters story mm -hmm. is still story they have wants needs and sensitivities you know and they're reacting to their world and what's happening in it and for some reason with a lot of science fiction stuff as soon as the director's like oh it's science fiction it's like their sense of character and those fundamental ideas go mm -hmm. out the fucking window you know what i mean yeah um i and feel like it's yeah it's like game of thrones with fantasy you know what i mean and that's one like, of the things that he brought to blade runner that was actually different than what Ridley Scott brought to it because yes. Rid Ridley Scott kind of brought sort of this world. It, it wasn't really about um, a character and sort of their inward journey. It it was more about just introducing the audience to this, this cyberpunk landscape. Um, and we got to follow a Blade Runner, but that was about, that was about it. Whereas Villeneuve really got inside the head of an actual replicant and told the story through the character in a way that the first movie didn't. The first movie set the set the groundwork and all of that, but it enabled Villeneuve to come in and do what he does best and give it a spin that is uniquely his. And I think that's what I I loved about it so much was just that we actually got to explore a, a character that was a replicant, and that made it so much more interesting. Yeah, and that's I a great point. I use the example of like. Game of Thrones, like Benioff and Weiss, and like how, like how that is two different shows. When they're focusing on character and all this, sh all that shit, the the show is amazing, and they're you know what I mean. But the second they like come to and realize they're making a fantasy show as well, mm -hmm. it just goes completely off the fucking rails, and they just like abandon what they're doing. And well, because I believe I, I feel like they got their characterization from the books and then they got, you know, the big set piece moments. Obviously, some of them are from the books. Later seasons aren't those big set piece moments. They just kind of, you know, they're choreographing that on their own. But those set piece moments are good in, in Game of Thrones. Um, but yeah, it went, like the earlier seasons, obviously, when you yeah. have the characterization. It's once you start working with genre, are you behaving differently? You know yeah. what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like a lot of your I feel like a lot of your uh, craft departments are what help you deal with genre you know what i mean like um like you know like you know the fucking you know the camera lighting fucking props uh art direction you know that kind of stuff that really gives it to you but at the end of the day you have to be able to see through like see the forest from the trees and acknowledge that at the end of the day you're still dealing with people who wants and needs that are trying to do something and get and get something and and when you lose that it just becomes what you do is it starts only becoming plot driven and then it just it's shit you yeah. know what i mean um with his style everything is far more organic it's done subtly there's no gloss and it just feels like something that is real and um yeah. i i think that like this is where we really see how we can take what he does and then put it into like a super genre film and it, it works really fucking well he has been quoted as saying that in his opinion it's by far the best film he's made which is dune so that makes me very happy. And it's not necessarily building my hype up just because, you know, I, I've read the book. I know what he's dealing with. It's a lot to deal yeah. with in order to do it justice. Like it's a Lord of the Rings level weight on his shoulder um, with Dune. And I am, I am so excited to see what he does with it just on a character level because that's where his strengths are and um like even through all of his films in Sandy's prisoners sicario they're all focused on these really interesting characters these these leading characters and yeah I, i'm i'm so pumped to see what he does with paul atreides it's gonna be awesome let's uh 
finish up by talking about where this film ranks in his catalog. I'd say I I'd say it's my favorite of his, for sure. Um, Blade Runner would be the only close second, but this this I I think is his best is his best work so far. I'm 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 a little biased to the Blade Runner thing, obviously, because I love Blade Runner. So this is probably taking. And Sicario, like Sicario, was really my first. Sicario six. That was that was really my first introduction to Denny Villeneuve was Sicario. But honestly, you can pretty much stack any of his previous. Like Insandies hit me really hard when I saw it the first time. It, it it's a magnificent film, and um, even Prisoners, man, Prisoners yeah, is just so yeah. visceral, just so grimy. Yeah. You just feel gross after that fucking movie. It's just like everything works but it's just like the guy was an already an established director coming out of you know um quebec and you know that that kind of says something um I, I know we don't have this on the docket to talk about but I, you know it's just kind of interesting how um you have the, the you know the francophone the the, the, the quebec mu- uh, mu- movie industry that really kind of um champions itself and people go to the movies in quebec and watch quebec made movies and you really see a support for the art uh for film for you know uh uh, quebec is a province in canada obviously Mm -hmm. for for you know they really support their films and you can go to a lot of movie theaters in quebec and you can watch uh a movie direct you know that is a full it's it's in french it's made by you know a a full quebec crew uh actors whatever and you see some of these movies bleed into the mainstream like uh good cop bon cop um and some some other stuff if that is the title Mm -hmm. i I can't remember exactly but it, it goes to show you that you know people can make it in that industry and this guy came out of quebec already i think he directed what like three movies uh before that and sandy's would be his last one that was yeah. i believe solely and produced that like really in quebec. broke him. yeah and then that really broke him through yeah. and it's like you have and like and you don't have that in canada you don't have like you mean in ontario big... like outside of quebec yeah oh, sorry, like outside of quebec you don't, you don't have that in the rest of canada where you can go see a lot of times I mean, obviously now movie theaters are closed, but you don't have times where you can like go to the movies and watch a Canadian made movie. Like once in a while you will be able to, but it's only if that movie kind of has already gotten big in America Mm -hmm. and like Quebec isn't waiting for America to make their actors, directors, whatever big they're doing it themselves. And like, I have so much respect for that. And it's just like how you have maple, uh, for the uh, Canadian recording industry where, you know, you get like tax credits for having like, you know, the music, the artists, um, the lyrics, whatever, are all Canadian. And, you know, you have certain content that has to be played on the radio that's Canadian. Why the hell can't you do that at theaters? I'll sure. tell you, distribution is owned by American companies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they don't want to, and they, they don't want to pack houses for American, for Canadian movies. But mm-hmm. Having said that, I just wish that's a bit of a tangent. I just wish we had more of that kind of support for Canadian film that think, the that the Quebecers do. Because okay, you have Xavier Dolan, I Guy wins Palme d'Or, uh, coming out of the Quebec scene. The you have Jean Marc Vallée, who is a very popular TV, you know. Uh, director and creator and yeah there's just a better support this is kind of why i think online i i I i'm i'm i lament the decline of theaters but in some ways it it offers opportunities for uh different you know avenues yeah different avenues for like canadian filmmakers and stuff but you know really proud that this guy is canadian he's he's really good i think that I go back and forth because I think like with Blade Runner, it was there was a lot of pressure to make that good. Like that could have been that could have been bad, right? Uh, like and the people he was worried about oh, it. for sure. He was worried bad. about it. Like, when you first hear about that sequel to Blade Runner, you're like fuck off. But on. then as soon as you hear Villeneuve and Deacons, you're like okay, yeah, all right. Yeah. I can't see. believe I doubted him because I had lots of doubts, and it was mostly because Blade Runner is my probably one of my favorite movies of all time listen at some point he's go- at, at some point he's gonna make a not good one yes he's right? like that, like that, i mean the, it's not yet it's not, not yet. It, it's 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 an it's an it's inevitable could be doom, could be doom. i don't think, it'll uh, be doom. I, think I don't think so i don't think so i'm just saying i'm <laughs> no, just saying I don't, hey. I don't think it's gonna be doom. I, after blade runner i got i'm pretty confident i'm hoping hey, I, 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 hey remember overconfident. we thought remember we thought tenet was gonna be amazing 
Yeah, and it wasn't. This and this is another thing. Denny Villeneuve makes the films that Chris Nolan thinks he's making. Yeah. Like it's that's shots fired. I mean, it's not shots, is it though? Like it's kind of true. Arrival deals with a lot of the same ideas as far as time. It's not so convoluted. It's It's not not as convoluted and it doesn't even require as much explanation and it has more of an emotional impact. It's not so jerk offy. Sure. Yeah. But it's yeah, it's like and this and for me, I I think this is this is probably this is probably his best. Um, And then I'd probably give it to like Blade Runner. But like, I really love his fucking movies. Like yeah. he, he's, a, he's a really talented director. I believe he's the most talented director working in film today. Um And Chris Nolan can suck one on that. Um, he's also still pretty much solely making films for the theater, which is another reason why. You know, I, I think he's he's what you, what you were just saying. He's probably the best working director, at least right at this very moment. This guy and can take my money. Like you he know can take I mean? all like, of my fucking money. Yeah, he can take my money because he's putting out like there's a dedication. You guys are simping for Villeneuve. Guy. We're simping for Villeneuve. For I'm 100. Sure. Yeah, he keeps he sets up these fucking arrival thirst traps, and <laughs> we just. Fuck- <laughs> Like nerd, th- they're like nerd thirst traps. They are nerd uh, thirst traps. They are. They're, nerd they're like nerd thirst traps. And I mean, the what he fun. does is absolutely fucking incredible. And this is the thing with again, like why he and would he? Okay, here's the thing. Chris Nolan tries to make everything complicated, right? The things in this are simple ideas that yeah. become yeah. complex because that is the nature of the story. Yeah. That just happens, right? Mm-hmm. And his ability to do that, fantastic. But it's, but it's also rooted in, since it's rooted in character, you always have that anchor. You're not just some random, Absolutely. you're not some random fucking blade of grass in the wind flowing in this whirlwind that is a movie. You have, you're like with Amy Adams, you're with her character, you're centered in that role. You're with her and you just go on this journey with her. Mm-hmm. You don't have that in, in a lot of Nolan's newer movies. I would say his style is if you took Terrence Malick and fucking Chris Nolan and smash them together because he doesn't have the convolutedness of like Chris Nolan, but he also doesn't have the like, he has a tightness that Malick doesn't have. Yeah. Yeah. And also he doesn't have like three minute time lapse of a leaf. Yeah. And like, he's got a like, script. Tri- yeah, he's got <laughs> a script. He's it's not like it's not like Tree of Life. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a, yeah. It didn't have to be a four and a half hour movie. Yeah, yeah where yeah. it's like. Uh, Having said that, I love Malik movies. I'm not gonna lie. I like I like Malik movies except Tree of Life. Yeah, yeah. Tree of Life was a mess. Yeah. It's 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 just I'm like this is the most masturbatory thing I have ever seen. It's I saw ex- it at theaters and we I was saw just it like, together. Me and you, Lance, we went and oh, saw us it. too. Oh wow! Yeah, you guys went together that. to see it. We saw. Yo, we we're yeah. holding hands the whole time. Oh, I can't remember was... now. That's the... the only thing that would make it entertaining. I think honestly, that movie was probably just an excuse to go out and shoot a bunch of beautiful images for a few months. Oh yeah, it looked good, except for that whole like like fucking just heaven school, CG yeah. hell. Like, yeah. <laughs> That's right. Speaking of heaven school, speaking of CG hell, this movie still had some of that. Like a couple times, like at the end when her hair is all like like weightless i'm just like oh like that scene is the one where where they like she gets brought into the alien environment oh, I'm, just like, I'm just like just yeah. you could have done this more in a practical way and have it look less bad i don't know and then also like i said earlier the scene with like when they're like going uh up the shaft for the first time and like the gravity changes and like their faces are like pasted on i'm just like oh this looks so bad <laughs> i'm like i don't know like obviously i can't i can't do any better <laughs> it's still again remember what i said it's still it can be still dog shit i know I, I just i just hate talking shit about art because i know people put their time and energy yeah. and money and people's jobs and like passions were yeah. into those shots mm-hmm. and it's like i feel bad but it's just like man they can take comfort in knowing at least that the film's success wasn't hindering on that and and the film's a home run either way. Just also, take I'm pretty sure for they sure, did the best sure. of what they had. Yes, like, oh, exactly. That's 100%. Yeah. That's what I said yeah, from yeah. the top yeah. from the top of the from the top of the podcast. Like if this movie had like another like 10 mil, like yeah, I feel like it would have just had that polish that would have just made it look so slick because even you have movies at the time like even uh movies like District 9. District 9 came out what? Like 
10 Two, years before yeah, this movie 2009 or just prior to that or something i'd say i'd say the the vfx in district 9 hold up way better than the effects in in arrival yes yeah, that's fair that's it true. looked like it looked more like the grittiness looked more real this i don't know like it's just so many times when they showed like the alien craft it always just kind of just seemed pasted on a lot of the times and like again i know they were doing the best they were working with but also blue and camp is a former vfx guy as well so fair there's, there's probably point. there's so probably forward, yeah yeah there's probably some of that involved as well really good yeah because really that's like point. that's like jim cameron doing fucking terminator 2 like he was a special effects yeah guy he's like listen i'll tell you how to blow up a fucking city okay i fucking know how to do it and so like, there's a lot of vfx in in david fincher's movies because he's a former ilm yeah. guy but you don't know like you would never be able to to, to, to spot them that's how good they are because of yeah just his experience but anyway. in, fin- in david fincher's movies oh yeah yeah really there's a lot of vfx in david fincher you should oh, go on vfx YouTube yeah oh sorry i don't know why watch. i thought you were talking about practical effects my apologies yeah but just like, yeah, the explosion in the middle of fucking uh fucking what, what's the facebook fucking social um, network social network there's just a fucking a f- truck just blows up <laughs> that bullet time sequence was sick in social network <laughs> yeah <laughs> Next just, level, bro. It's yeah. just slow coding. Um, <laughs> on that slow coding note, uh, gentlemen, uh, we got to get going. Uh, thank you so much for doing this. And uh, we're going to be back. I think we're going to be doing Prisoners in the next one is going to be on this. So uh, everyone look out for it. And gentlemen, thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. It's been fun, guys. All right. Uh, you can catch Andrew Lance on Buffs and Nerves with his friend, Sam Hall. Anyways, guys, I'll talk to you soon. Ciao.